again, I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I, I'm so excited I, I get to come. I get to come and share the word with you. Every Sunday, I get to stand before you and share the word of God with you. That's truly a privilege, and it's an honor. And I take it very seriously. My whole desire is that, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would grow, that you would mature in the Lord. Number one. Number two, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, that you would come to a moment of complete surrender to the Lord, and that it would be evident in your life that you're truly new creatures in Christ. That's, that's something that encourages the body as we all come together and uh, desire to honor and glorify him. This morning, as, uh, as I told you, the whole story of Paul and Silas in Philippi, and at this point they're in jail in Philippi, is a story of redemption. It's a story of love. It's a story of the pursuit of God after each and every one of us. That no matter how dark it may seem, no matter what pit we're in, that the Lord desires to reach us, touch us wherever we're at, and tell us the story of redemption. He wants to see each and every one of us come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So in uh, Acts chapter 16, let's go there. Acts chapter 16 and uh, verse 25 is where we're going to start reading. The title of this morning's message is Earthquakes and Singing Prisoners. Earthquakes and Singing Prisoners. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced, along with his entire household, that he had believed in God. Father, I 
I know your heart. I know that you desire that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I pray for an awakening this morning. I pray that you would breathe life into dead bones. I pray that the religious would stop playing, that each and every one would know a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. You and I both know that Lydia was a religious person, and yet she did not know a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that as you had Lydia pay attention, that you would have each and every one of us pay attention this morning. That as you were willing to shake the very earth under the jailer and all the prisoners, that you would shake the earth under us. That you would bring us to a place of sobriety. Lord, that we would stop chasing our idols. And that we, like this Philippian jailer, would be shaken to the point to where we see exactly who you are. And we're pleading, even this very moment, that you would reveal yourself to us. I pray that your spirit would move mightily among us. Lord, that you would be honored and glorified by the response that we have to what you would have to say to us at this very moment. Yes, Jesus, you're alive and well. The same power that resurrected you from the grave, Jesus, is the same power by which we're resurrected. The same power that saves us. The same grace that we come to know the moment that we completely commit and devote ourselves to Jesus Christ. And I pray that this would be the moment. Lord, you have reserved it for us. The ones that are in this room and perhaps even watching online, we're here by no chance. We're here by divine appointment. I pray that we would understand that and we would hear what you would have to say to us. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God has already proven that he will go to great lengths to show his love for you and I. The ultimate demonstration of his love being the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I believe today many people are confused as to what love truly is. Many people believe that love is demonstrated 
by encouraging others to be the best version of themselves they can be. As long as they're happy. Really without considering the glory of God. It is written, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, Jesus didn't go to the cross to make you a happier version of yourself. For in and of ourselves, remaining apart from Christ, we remain condemned men and women. He died and rose again so that the old condemned you can die with him. And be resurrected as a new creature that knows salvation, forgiveness of sin, and the hope of heaven, and live a new life in Christ. You see, the old man is condemned. The new man is forgiven. John 3, 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. To what lengths is God willing to go? To help you know salvation. To walk in salvation. In the newness of life. Remember that Paul had seen a vision of a man back in Troas. Urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That was back in verses 9 and 10. Paul and Silas discerned that this was the Lord calling them to Macedonia. First, they saw Lydia saved. Wonderful, right? And now, unfortunately, they had been falsely accused, arrested, beaten, and imprisoned for having preached the gospel and delivering a girl from being demon-possessed and from people who used her for financial gain. But the Lord knows... And he will always use different circumstances to bring people to salvation, if we just but pay attention. Sometimes it's in a prayer meeting, and all that's necessary is the Lord causing the person to pay attention to a sermon, as he did with Lydia. And other times, we don't pay attention in a prayer meeting or at church. He may cause an earthquake to shake under you. For you to experience and remember joyful prisoners. Because that's what he did with the Philippian jailer. Because even that led one person and then more to salvation. Either way, and I know both, unfortunately, God is not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, according to 2 Peter 3.9. If you're saved this morning, but in a tough situation... God may be using you to lead others to salvation in Christ that perhaps wouldn't listen or respond otherwise. If you're not saved, know that God goes to great lengths for you to see and personally know his salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Even bringing you earthquakes and singing prisoners. Three things that we see here. First of all, we see just the theme of salvation. But we see prisoners, uh, see that number one, prisoners are listening. Number two, prisoner, a prisoner set free. 
And then for Paul and Silas, they knew that it was time to move on. Let's start out with the first few verses here. Knowing that the prisoners were listening in verse 25, again, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. It was at this time that Paul and Silas were falsely accused, beaten, thrown into prison. And not only were they thrown into just a holding tank overnight, but they were thrown into the innermost part of the prison. Not only were they thrown into the innermost part of the prison, but they were shackled. In other words, they had handcuffs and they were shackled at their feet. They made sure that there was no way that Paul and Silas could escape. But they weren't the only ones that were in prison. And they weren't the only ones that were bound in stocks. Paul and Silas at this moment, having experienced this very injustice, you could say, could have been filled with anger, bitterness, resentment, regret, and so many other feelings because of their predicament, because of their situation, the very things that they had been confronted with and had experienced up to this very moment. And yet they didn't. They gave themselves to prayer and singing hymns. You find yourself in a difficult situation I would suggest you follow the same formula. Give yourself to prayer and singing hymns. Prayer and singing hymns. When that doesn't work, give yourself to prayer and singing hymns. And then when that doesn't work, give yourself to prayer and singing hymns. It just means that you're not, your heart's not there. There's nothing else to give you. Here's Paul and Silas, a great example of exactly what to do in the midst of such difficult circumstances. Are you looking for something else? Don't. There's nowhere else to go to but the Lord. That's why they gave themselves to prayer. They realized that their joy could not be taken away. And that's why they were able to sing hymns. But hey, if they had been upset, it'd be reasonable, right? It would have been acceptable. Because given the circumstances, any normal person would be angry, bitter, resentful, and regretful. Because this just does not happen to people who are genuinely serving the Lord Or does it? Can it? See, this blows many of the prosperity gospel's messages right out of the water. Because if you just have enough faith, this kind of stuff, according to them, just just ain't going to happen. And that's not true. It rains on the just and on the unjust. How will you respond in times of trouble? That's what matters. The other prisoners were probably there because they did deserve it. But not Paul and Silas. I mean, did the other prisoners know or care? Probably not. After all, aren't all prisoners falsely accused? If you ask them, that's the case. 
Paul and Silas weren't moved by their circumstances because they were secure in Christ. And no matter what they experienced in life, their hope of God's glory was firmly fixed in Christ Jesus and not on their circumstances. No matter what they were faced with, it was all about Christ. Philippians 1.21, and I refer to it often. Why? Because I believe, especially in this day in which we're living in, we need to be reminded of this as Christians. Because the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's nothing to gain. There's nothing worth more than being in the glory of God and in His presence. Not here on earth. This was a reality for Paul, and apparently it was also a reality for Silas. For they, plural, they were together praying and singing hymns. You see, you will encourage another as what you are. Not what you are not. Not what you wish to be. But you will encourage in others exactly what you are. Are you joyful in Christ? If you are, let your face know it. Let your words know it. Let yourself be known as being secure and having the joy of the Lord. Well, we should know that this was not an ordinary earthquake. It was God's doing. Not only did the foundations of the prison shake, but all the prison doors flung open. Not only did all the prison doors fling open, but all of the shackles were undone. The socks on their feet, the... Shackles on their hands completely came off. It was nothing ordinary. This was a time of amazement for all the prisoners, for Paul and Silas, for the prison guards that were at the doors posted. If this is an open door to run, I don't know what is. Or is it? Think about that. Everything's, you're free, right? You're free. The doors are open. Just everything is just by all outward appearances. It seems like the Lord has just made a way for you to run. Well, for Paul and Silas and the other prisoners, I guess it was, I guess it was a missed opportunity. Because they all stayed put. But at this very moment, the jailer didn't know. It says, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He figured everyone had escaped, and so he was about to kill himself because he would have been put to death for allowing the prisoners to escape. And so he knew his fate, and he thought, you know what? I'm just going to do the honorable thing at this point. And I'm going to fall on my own sword and put myself to death. But somehow, Paul knew that the jailer was there and he was about to kill himself. And he wanted him to know that they were all there. And he called out to him. And he told him not to cause harm to himself.
matters how you respond to your circumstances. Just as the prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas, people are listening and watching you. They come to know whether you genuinely know hope, whether you genuinely know joy, peace, and the grace of God by who you are, especially in times of trouble. Anybody can be joyful in good times. But how do you respond when you're in that pit? You feel like you're shackled. When you don't see any way out. Do you continue to believe that the Lord can see you through, giving you the strength to make it through? It should be expressed by how you respond in those moments in times of trouble. Instead of grumbling and being critical and being angry and bitter and We ought to be praying and singing hymns of joy because you can rejoice in the fact that you belong to Christ no matter what. When the foundations of life shake, remain steady and unmoved. Be aware because there is a purpose for everything. Be discerning and aware of the situation. You never know when you will be used to stop someone else from inflicting themselves with harm because of their loss of hope. You could be the only object that they know that has expressed hope and joy in times of trouble. I pray we too can cry out to someone else, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. We are all here. That's why as we come together in fellowship, as we come together in fellowship, Do you know that we stir each other up to love and good works? We encourage one another. I I know that not every single one of you, you've had just a wonderful week. Like everything's been going so wonderful, so great that you come here and you're just overflowing with just like, just bubbly, right? Like everything's just rosy. I understand that 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 is just reality. Reality is that some of you walk through that door and you just barely made it. For all of you who have had a good week, please recognize that your brothers and sisters who have not want to see something in you that they at this very moment are lacking. Be mindful of the people around you. For those of you who are feeling like you're in that pit, also don't play the victim. Please don't. Know that you are here to gain strength and be encouraged by those who are in a good place with the Lord. We are here to come together, being a family, and uplifting each other. Serving as instruments in the hands of a holy and righteous God to bless each other and glorify the Lord. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And so be the church. Glorify the Lord. Be that one brother or sister that is willing to say, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. We are arm in arm. We are shoulder to shoulder. We are doing this thing together called life. And although we know it's difficult, we will make it through, not because of our own strength, but because of the Spirit of God and the faithfulness of God and how it is that He promised what He has started, He will finish, He will complete. That's why. 
And that's what we ought to be. Well, the jailer heard Paul and he stopped. Verse 29, as we continue, says, And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, uh, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. He and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. A prisoner is set free. Apparently not only were the prisoners listening, as we saw there in verse 25. So was this, uh, this particular jailer. We know this because of the way he responded to the whole situation. And notice that the jailer did not go to anyone else. He went directly to Paul and Silas. The question is, why? What drew him to Paul and Silas? I believe it was because of the way they handled themselves and the situation that they were in. Again, the way you handle yourself will either serve as a magnet drawing people to you or serve as a repellent that others will run from. At, at some point, that's really what we become. We, we are known for our very character. Are we those people who other people are drawn to because we offer some, some semblance of joy and hope that we would give some kind of... A, encouragement to others or or people are or are people repelled from us oh gosh i know if i i know if i go and speak to raw man i'll just it's just bitterness and anger and resentment and and all this which one is it because for paul and silas there is something that they possessed that they had that the jailer wanted You will either be known for bitterness, anger, complaining, whining, being critical, etc., etc., or for being at peace, trusting in the Lord, for being joyful regardless of the circumstances, praying because you will still trust in God no matter what you're faced with and helping others through their troubled times. Well, the jailer went to Paul and Silas because we've come to know they wanted to, he wanted to know what they possessed. What is that? Salvation. Salvation. The jailer had already demonstrated a repentance. He was humble. He had this reverence about him. As he came before Paul and Silas, can you imagine a jailer falling down before a couple prisoners? And yet that's exactly what the jailer did. He knew whose presence he was in. He knew that they knew the very God that could give him the very thing that he needed. And he asked, and they told him simply. And here's where it begins. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. It started there, but as we saw here and we read, 
Paul and Silas went a step further and they explained salvation to him. It says here that they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So it just doesn't start, stop there. It doesn't start and stop there. Just believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Great. I don't know who Jesus is. I know that, you know, we celebrate Christmas and, you know, the birth of Christ. And I know he died and we celebrate Easter and, and he died and he rose again on that day. And, and that's why, right? So tell me who Jesus is. Well, he's the, he's the one whom the Father had sent to live a perfect life. And yes, he had these disciples and many followed him for different reasons. There was this one day he went to the cross. And the reason why he went to the cross was for you and I. To die for our sins, to pay for our sins. He shed his blood on the cross to serve as a payment for your sins, past, present, and future. And when he was buried, he resurrected on the third day. So he was victorious over our sin and he was victorious over the grave. And it's because of that in Christ that we too can come to know forgiveness of our sins and also the resurrection to new life in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in him? Have you surrendered your life to him? The gospel is is simple and yet it can stumble the most intellectual person. But there are kids who come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There are kids who fully understand. They haven't gone to Harvard or any other prestigious school, and yet they can understand the gospel and come to believe. He explained to them, they explained, it was Silas and Paul were on the same page. And it says here that they explained the gospel to them. Here is a prisoner demonstrating compassion to someone who may have been the very person, think of this, who had inflicted the blows upon Paul and Silas just a day earlier, just earlier in the day. The jailer was so filled with compassion, in fact, for Paul and Silas that at the, that very moment, just, just picture this. Here's the jailer. He's the, he's the very one who, who's supposed to be enforcing the law, making sure that they were imprisoned in shackles. And now he's falling before Paul and Silas, and he's asking, how must I be saved? How do I come to salvation? And, and, and there, he's told, and he comes to salvation. And now he's so filled with compassion that he's not even a, the, the same man. You can't recognize the man from the day, from the day prior. Now, now he was sitting there with sponge in hand, washing the wounds of Paul and Silas. How is that even possible? That's why your friends couldn't recognize you when you came to faith. The day after, you were doing the very same thing. You, you, were, you were behaving in a way that's like, I don't know who you are. You're unrecognizable. You're not the same person you were yesterday. Like, what happened? Yesterday to today. There's just something different about you. You're not speaking the same. You're not acting the same. You're not doing the same things. 
Who are you? For the jailer, he was a whole different man. This was not the same man that existed the day before. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Have you experienced that? Being reborn in Christ? Having the Spirit of God indwell you? Giving you new eyes to see things in a new way? Having a hope that nothing and no one can shake? Having a joy that's not dependent on your circumstances? Have you experienced that rebirth? That rebirth that is a spiritual rebirth that comes from heaven. Have you experienced that? That is knowing salvation. And that should be evident in our lives. Well, the jailer and his family, they all responded to the gospel and they were saved and they were all baptized at that very moment. Notice that they didn't have to pray about it. The very moment that they were saved, at this moment, it's time to be baptized. And they were. Check this out. It was that night. When was, when was the, uh, the foundation of the jail shaken by the Lord? Shaken. When was it? It was midnight. At midnight. Hey, morning is coming. At that very, from that point this way, it's like, can you imagine the jailer is waking up his family? Hey, hey, hey. He didn't waste any time. You guys, got, you, you have to wake up. I have these two guests. I know they're prisoners, but hey, you know, you got to listen to them. You got to hear what they have to say. All of this happened in the, in the night, in, in a moment. In fact, not only did they come to salvation by a couple of prisoners, but they also were baptized that evening. The jailer washed them. He sat them down. Imagine. Cooked them food. You know, come on, you know, some, give them, give them some carne asada, some beans and, you know, rice, some, give them a good burrito, right? Or whatever it is, filet mignon. They had fellowship together. That very moment they had fellowship together. Rejoicing because he and his household had come to believe in God and know salvation in Jesus Christ. In the home where salvation is known, this is exactly what it should look like. If that's not demonstrated in your home, there's something wrong. I'm just telling you that with love. There's something wrong. The, the reason I know there's something wrong is because, like, even though maybe you're saved... And just like salvation hasn't like come to the service. Jesus it certainly is, is not preeminent because you haven't responded to him. Like if I, if I were to tell you, hey, you've been delivered of all your sins. You have the hope of heaven. If you think small moments here in life are good, just wait till you go to what's unspeakably good and glorious. To heaven when you're in the very presence of the Lord for, now for all, and for all eternity at that moment. You have been, instead of being condemned to hell, okay, from eternal separation from the Lord, 
you now in Christ have been saved. Would we be singing, as the song says, endless hallelujahs? It's like when you're reminded of that, whether it be in counseling or another brother or sister reminding you of that, wouldn't you at that point repent of looking at things otherwise and say, certainly you are correct. I shouldn't be in that place. I should come to a place of rejoicing in the Lord and knowing that I have possessed everything and learned to be content in Christ. He is my full and complete satisfaction. And nothing else, nothing else will do. Didn't we just sing that? Did you mean it? Oh, God, orchestrate some amazing things if we just pay, but pay attention. God wishes that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The jailer thought he was guarding the prisoners, but in reality, he was the one that was bound and imprisoned. He was the condemned man, but came to be delivered. He was delivered by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And he was a new man with an eternal hope. And his family knew it. That very moment, they, they had a celebration. They rejoiced. A prisoner was set free. And all the angels in heaven were rejoicing. They were all rejoicing. Well, it's time to move on. As we go to verse 35 and conclude... But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Even though all of this had taken place, Paul and Silas were returned to prison. So even though this all took place in the jailer's home and all of that, just one, what a wonderful time to spend, you know, from 12 midnight and on to, let's say, I don't know, five, six o'clock in the morning. Don't know how long it was, but it was a few hours. Wonderful time. But at this point, Paul and Silas, they went back to jail willingly. They didn't want the jailer to be put to death. So put them back on. Put us back in socks. I am a prisoner of the Lord anyway. That willingly go back. And they did. You see, the earthquake had nothing to do with delivering Paul and Silas from their imprisonment and had everything to do with freeing the jailer and his family from eternal condemnation. But now the magistrates figured it was, uh, it was enough and they sent the police officials uh, to release them. They sent a couple deputies over and said, yeah, uh, you know, magistrates have 
agreed, you know, that was enough. They were beaten, they were imprisoned overnight, and it's time to let them go. Well, the jailer received the news, and he passed that along to Paul and Silas. But Paul had, at this point, a little something to say about the whole situation. It's interesting that Paul and Silas didn't reveal that they were Roman citizens, though, until this very moment. Why didn't they say that they were Roman citizens before the beating? Before they were imprisoned? Can you imagine being like, hey, listen, is it okay for you to do this to a Roman citizen? Because we can, like, avoid all of this right now. Why didn't he say it at that point? You see, they had civil rights they could have invoked, but for some reason, they didn't bring it up until after. Oh, the timing is just perfect. It really is. You see, sometimes we discern that the very thing that we're in the midst of, it's not really to deliver us, to see God delivering us from whatever it is that we're going through, but in the midst of it, for God to use us to deliver someone else out of something that's much more real and eternal. The reason the magistrates were filled with fear was because they knew that they had made a severe error by unlawfully accusing, beating, and even imprisoning these Roman citizens. But Paul was simply insisting that they come, that they, that they would come and apologize and publicly send them off. Why was that? See, Paul was discerning at that time. I, I, I love this because as I took, I was like, yeah, why, why was <laughs> like I'm asking those questions, but they're questions that I've already asked myself, ones that I've already worked out. Why is it that they did this in the way that they had? Why is it that Paul at this point said, I'm a Roman citizen, come and have them come let me out publicly now. Apologize to me and, and put me out publicly. They're not going to do it secretly. Why? Perhaps so that they would not be publicly condemned and could minister to more people. You see, at that very moment, the magistrates having come and openly set them free would mean that now they are accepted. They're, they're no longer condemned men. They're men that were, were ex- accepted to go out into town freely, openly, and they were able to minister. I thought, man, that, that is some discernment and wisdom there. You know, the, the Apostle Paul was no dummy. You know, we're not given minds to uh, turn them off. We're to use them. And, and we should use these minds to discern, asking God for discernment, to know what to do, when, and how. It's awesome because at that point, Paul and Silas, they went to Lydia's home. They got together with the rest of the brethren and they had fellowship and Paul and Silas were were able to encourage them and then depart. Wonderful. That meant that Paul and Silas were also at some point welcome to come on back to Philippi and minister to them. That is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I hope that we ourselves would be given to desired discernment like that. 
It started with the conversion of Lydia in a prayer meeting by the river and concluded with the conversion of a jailer through an earthquake. The gospel was preached and the church in Philippi was born. It was founded. It was time for Paul and Silas to move on. For now, their work was done, but you could say that it had just begun in Philippi. The prisoners are listening. A prisoner is set free. And it's time to move on. And they did it in a wonderful way. Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But our iniquity, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, considering what we've covered, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Discern the moment. Know the joy of the Lord. Express it. And spread the gospel. Are you a singing prisoner? Or do you see a singing prisoner? Do you see that the Lord is good and desires for you to come to salvation in Jesus Christ? I want to take a moment because I feel deeply compelled to put this before you. Some of you are in desperate need of a recommitment to the Lord. In others, the Lord has been tugging on your heart for quite some time to completely surrender to Jesus Christ. May today be the day of salvation. I told you that I had experienced both. I had experienced uh, the moment like Lydia by the riverside somewhat, you know, to where I gently came to the Lord And then there was a moment to where the very foundation of my life was shaken up. It was a time when I had to recommit my life to the Lord. And I felt and I knew that that was what I needed to do. Perhaps you're in that place. You need to completely recommit your life to the Lord and not look back. Not desire anything or anyone else. Not place your hope in your circumstances or what you have, don't have what the Lord's providing or not providing, that you completely put it in Jesus Christ. Today is a day of responding to the love of Christ. Coming to a place of either recommitment or complete surrender to Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pray for all of us. And I'm just going to ask just for you in in your seat in this very moment, That if you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord, or you'd like to, at this very moment, ask for forgiveness and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, come to salvation. That I'd like to pray for you. The Lord is glorified and he's honored by your response. If you want to know salvation, know this. Confess your sins. Ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and be your Lord and Savior. If you have any further questions beyond that, I'm more than happy to explain to you further.
just as Paul and Silas did with the Philippian jailer. But you heard it from the very beginning of the sermon. God's heart is to see you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and for that to be reflected in your life by the way you live your life and the way you respond to life. And so I'm going to pray for us. And if that's you, if you want to recommit your life to the Lord, or if you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and know salvation, I would ask you with everyone else's heads bowed and eyes closed, just stand to your feet. The only one that's going to be looking is me. I I just want to acknowledge you and pray for you individually. Okay? Let's do that. Father, we thank you for this moment that you've given to us, Lord, as we've come together to worship you. Lord, your whole desire for sending Paul and Silas to Macedonia, Lord, was to spread the gospel. It wasn't for a vacation. It wasn't so that they would experience your creation, although I'm sure they enjoyed it. But it was to see people come to salvation. And as they came to salvation, it was their intent and their purpose to also help build them up in their faith. Lord, some of us have come to salvation and even been walking with you for a number of years. And yet, we've turned into a different direction. I pray, Lord, for anyone who is in that place, Lord, that today would be a day of recommitment to you. Still for others, perhaps they have never surrendered their lives to you. They have never known the forgiveness of their sins. They have never known to, to be released from the burden of condemnation that they have come to know, that they've known in Jesus, in, in the world, in the flesh. And yet, Lord, you desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Lord, your word tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. I pray, Lord, that for perhaps some who are here who do not know salvation, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would stand to their feet, Lord, and acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. For those who need to recommit their lives to you, I pray that they too would be bold enough confident enough to trust in you and also stand up and recommit their lives to you at this very moment that lord you lord know all things but for me as your under shepherd could acknowledge them and just pray for them father so with our eyes closed and our heads bowed who at this very moment wants to recommit their lives to the lord god bless you god bless you god bless you god bless you Your life's been lukewarm at best. Right now is just a moment of saying, I stand with Christ. I want to be acknowledged. I want to be known to have a fervor and a desire to bless and honor the Lord. If that's you, stand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.
that's for you. Perhaps you're sitting there and you don't know salvation. You don't know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit to have the burden of condemnation lifted from you. The Lord desires that you would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that you would be filled with this Holy Spirit, that you would have a new perspective on life, and you would rejoice in the fact that He knows you and you know Him. If that's you, stand to your feet. Anyone at all. Tomorrow's not promised. And you're being offered today grace through Jesus Christ. Salvation is knocking on your heart. Jesus Christ, if that's you, stand to your feet. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who willingly stood to their feet. Lord, I know that you have already acknowledged them, and yet I have the privilege of just praying for them. Lord, asking that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, your word tells us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I thank you for that promise. I thank you, Lord, the moment that we turn back to you. Lord, you are like the prodigal son's father. The story, Lord, uh, that picture that we see of the father running to his son. Oh, so joyful that he had returned. It's a wonderful picture. I know that there are prodigals in our lives, and we pray for them too. But for now, Lord, bless those brothers and sisters that have stood up. Strengthen them by your spirit. Oh, Lord, put a fervor in their lives that they would, Lord, with great excitement and great joy, serve you and honor you, glorify you wherever they are in life. I pray that they would be like Paul and Silas, that for those around them, that they would be the the singing prisoners. (laughs) Those, Lord, that have known, Lord, what it means to be set free from condemnation. And in their circumstances, Lord, they are willing to sing hymns and pray and just trust in you. So I pray for them. I know that you're blessed and you're glorified by their their recommitment to you. I just ask that you would fill them with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet.